It is Encounter with God time here on The Breakfast Show. We're about to get into our Bible study. All right, so we've got a bunch of text messages come through. Let's uh, start going through them. Uh, Interesting that COVID-19 has opened the door to the churches of the future. The only true church of the future will be home churches. The book of Acts will be repeated. And this is an interesting thought that's been raised right here. Uh, we've had you know, COVID-19, and as a result of that, you know, initially we were, we were unable to kind of worship anywhere but on Zoom. But then as COVID progressed and we were able to at least have some human interaction, we were able to have churches in homes. Mm. Now it's progressed to the point where we're having churches back in churches again, and that's great. Uh, but when the Christian church started, it just started in homes. People were worshipping in homes. That's where they were gathering on the Sabbath day to worship God. And that time will come again. The Bible says that uh, persecution will come back to Christianity again on a, well, on a global level. So, yeah. Okay, next text message here. Churches can be closed again whenever the government decides to do so. And that's very true. So while we have churches that are opening up here in New South Wales, and I think we're a bit more open than some other states, um, we we definitely have the precedent for closing churches mm. when and how the government so chooses. A little bit different than the United States where they have um, the constitutional right to freedom of assembly. We don't have that in Australia, of course, which is... Uh, which is why we, uh, yeah, the government can cho- close our churches at their will. All right, um, and somebody commenting on our little brown snake. We have, um, mm-hmm. we have decided to name our brown-coloured blind snake. Mm-hmm. Let me clarify that. We have named him. His name is what is his name? Uh, Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus. And we've decided that he uh, he won't be called Bart for short. He'll be either called Maeus or Tim. <laughs> <laughs> None of this mainstream, right. like, Bart business. <laughs> but how cool is that the name? I actually like the name Bartimaeus. It's a cool name. Yeah, a and snake. it's kind of appropriate for a blind, blind snake. Blind snake, that's right. Yes, it's a blind snake. Um, and he came to join us in our studio this morning, so now he is in a garbage bin. All right. Um, not in a garbage bin as in we've thrown him in the garbage, but in a garbage bin because it was a safe place to put him. And he's going for a little bit of a journey now to see if he can scare some of the other office workers. But (laughs) (laughs) anyway, uh, next text message here is David's reason for numbering the people uh, was because he wanted to enlarge his kingdom to make it larger than God had given. God was not pleased. Mm. Indeed, this is very, very true. And uh, that's quite a dramatic story there with yeah. uh, David numbering the people and taking a census. It's one of those things where you kind of read it and go, really? God got upset over that? But when you understand the background behind it, you can see what God was, the point that God was driving at. And what I think was interesting was that even Joab, you know, Joab, who is, the, who is David's general, you kind of see him as just sort of a hard-bitten old soldier. Mm. But he's like, why would you do this? Hmm. You know, why would you, why would you stir up the anger of God by doing this? And, and David's like, no, he's stubborn, he wants to do it. And uh, Job's like, okay, you're given the orders, I'll follow the orders, but this is not going to be for your glory. Mm. And it certainly wasn't. All right, what else have we got here? Um, yep, just somebody else commenting on uh, the snake to tell us that it is uh, indeed a blind snake. Okay. So, 
I think those are all of our text messages for now. We love hearing from our listeners. If you would like to send us in a text message, then uh, our number is 0491-064-669 or you can simply give us a call on 1-800-324-843. Let's go to our Bible study and we are going to begin in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and we're going to read verse 6 to 8. Calvin is joining us here this morning, so... Um, Kelvin, I might get you to read this little passage for us. I don't like Thessalonians. I always have trouble trying to find it. Yeah. It's just after okay. Colossians. Yes, but it's one of those little books. I know, because it's so small. First Thessalonians, yes? Yes, verse uh, chapter 2, verse 6 to 8. Oh, got a passage. Okay. So, verses 6 to 8. We were not looking for praise from, from men, not from you or anyone else. As apostles of Christ, we could have been a burden to you, but we were gentle among you, like a mother caring for her little children. We loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well, because you had become so dear to us. Mm. So this is a really, um, it's a very pastoral passage, really, isn't it? Very tender, very loving kind of. Kind of a little bit of a contrast to what we were reading last week from Corinthians. You know, we were reading in 1 Corinthians last week and, you know, it still sort of comes in in verse 10. It's like, you're all divided and in trouble and you need to, you know, we've just been giving you guys milk and you need to uh, you need to be on hard food by now, but you're not ready for it because, mm. well, actually by the time you get to chapter 3 and verse 3, you're all unconverted. Yep, yep. So it's a little bit, um, yeah. I, I like the way it starts here. Nor did we seek glory from men, either from you or from others, that we might have made demands as apostles of Christ. So he hasn't. Paul hasn't come into this church making demands of them, has he? Mm. Like you know, we're apostles. We deserve this. We deserve that. We deserve the other. Nah, hasn't been happening. Um, that's not who Paul is. And he then says, "But we were gentle amongst you." And when it talks about making demands, what kind of demands do you think those might have been? What do you think the Bible's talking about here with demands? Got some 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 thinking caps on here. Paul didn't have any ownership. He didn't lay claim to anything because of anything that he had done, though, had he? Like, he, it was the opposite. Hmm. Like, he was not boasting because he'd self-supported his ministry. Okay, this is a very interesting point you raise right here. So it's the opposite of salvation by works. Like he was doing, even though he was doing things, he was not boasting about it. Yes. So let's let's consider Paul's example in ministry for a moment because he is the most significant New Testament apostle, epistle writer. And so he was very unconventional. And here's what you find is he was not supported by the church in Jerusalem mm. financially. Neither was he supported by the church in Thessalonica. Mm-hmm. So how did he support himself? He was a tent maker. He was a tent maker. He, he supported trade. himself. Yeah. Not only did he support himself, but he drew resources privately from other churches. He talked about you know how I robbed other churches so that I could minister unto you. Mm. And so he would draw support from other churches and from his trade, those two things combined together to do essentially self-supporting work. Mm. So he was a different category to a lot of the other uh, missionaries who existed and ministers and apostles who existed at this particular time. 
he wasn't drawing from the funds that were you know gathered all together in the city of Jerusalem. The church, of course, headquarters were in Jerusalem at that particular time, and that's where the funds were gathered together. That was where the tithe was collected. That was where distribution was made for the poor, and also where distribution was made to people in ministry. Mm. And he's not doing so, and this is one of the reasons why a lot of people doubted his apostleship. And historically, he was always or often seen as being a second-class apostle because he wasn't doing it the he wasn't going through way. he wasn't doing the mainstream way he wasn't going, doing the conventional way he was kind of out there doing his own thing he was preaching at his own expense um, you know he goes back to Jerusalem and they're all a little bit sus of him down there in Jerusalem. Like, are you really a Jew? Have you really been preaching the straight gospel? Hmm. You know, maybe you should uh, come here into the temple and, you know, uh, perform some of the ceremonies of the temple so that we can see that you are actually legit, Hmm. which was actually a really, really bad idea and ended up getting him locked up for many years. Uh, But this was – it's interesting that the attitude between laity and professional ministry has often been one of suspicion. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. And so you'll find that in Second Corinthians, there's like one and a half, two chapters, which are all Paul's defense of his apostleship mm. and his defense of his right to be able to collect finances and tithe and so forth from people. But here in Thessalonians, is like, nope, we came there, we didn't take a thing. Later he will, but not at this particular point because he's church planting. Mm. All right, where do we get up to? Um, We were gentle among you just as a nursing nursing mother cherishes her own children. So affectionately longing for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God but also our own lives. I love that. Because you had become dear to us. Mm. What is it that you love about that, Minnie? Well, I mean, in my head it kind of connects into what I sort of touched on this morning with, you know, the social aspect of church. Um, I don't think we can follow God and not invest our lives in people. Do you know what I mean? Like, as in, there's always a connection there. Like, if I'm like, yes, Jesus, it's you and me, and then I go live in a hermit, I live as a hermit for the next 20 years in the middle of Australia where I contact no one and do You know, that's that's not really the point of church, is it? Like, that's... I can love Jesus, but it's easy to be patient when I have no one to be patient with. Like, not only you know? is it not exactly, exactly. <laughs> like, it's not only is it not the point of church, but it's not the point of Christianity. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. But I love that that there's actual relationship here. You know, it's not oh well I guess I guess you should know and I guess for that we'll we'll spend time with you, you know, because you need it. And it's like, man, we you are so dear to us, like we care for you. And you actually see this in Paul's writings a lot, that he seems has this deep burden for the churches that he is in contact with. He's like, man, I pray for you daily. I, you know, he's his heart is for the people. It's not just this, oh, well, we do it because we should do it. You know, it's not. Anyway, I just like that. Did he, <laughs> did he do it because he knew it was right or because that was his love language? Uh, hey, mm. yeah. <laughs> Could be a mix. You Who never knows? know. <laughs> There is a story told of a rabbi who, looking into the sleepy eyes of the young men who sat in his classroom, asked students, when does, no, when does one know when the night is ended and the day has begun? It's a very valid question when your classroom is going to sleep and many maybe <laughs> um, as a teacher in the future you might be asking this question right here. Yeah. 
Several of the students cautiously raised their hands. Rabbi, one asked, is it when you can tell the difference between a fig tree and an olive tree? No. Another student raised his hands. Rabbi, is it when you can tell the difference between a sheep and a goat? After listening to a host of answers, the rabbi announced, Students, one knows the night has ended and the day has begun. When you can look at the face, look at a face never before seen and recognize the stranger as a brother or a sister. Oh. Deep thought right there. Whoa. Very deep. Whoa. Until that moment, no matter how bright the day is, the day, it is still the night. Yeah, wow. That's worth thinking about, isn't it? Doesn't matter how bright the day is, if you cannot look at the face of a stranger and recognize a brother or a sister, it is still night. I like that. You know, imagine if they applied that in the Middle East right now. It would be a different place Mm. politically than what it is. Imagine what would happen if everyone as Christians, if all of us as Christians universally applied that principle right there. Imagine how different our world would be. You know, our world is quite different and we shouldn't uh, deny it as a result of Christianity and these kinds of concepts being promulgated by Christianity around our world. All right, let's go to Luke chapter 10. We've got a bit of a passage here. Luke chapter 10, we're going to read uh, verse 30 through 37. Kelvin, I'm wondering whether you can uh, read Um, for us uh, Luke 10 verse 30, please. Verse 30. In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. Not dead, half dead. Hmm. Half dead. Hmm. That's getting pretty close. Yeah, isn't yeah, it? yeah. You're on your way. Yep. Mm. All right. So this is a bit of a, uh, and it's a well-known story. This is going to be the story of the uh, of the Good Samaritan. And we've got to ask ourselves, what was the what was the point that Jesus was making with this story, and what should this tell us about what must be part of any true Christian education? So this guy was half dead. He was in a pretty bad way. He wasn't just had a little bit of rough and tumble around the edges. Like he was down on his luck, wasn't he? He was. So it was quite obvious. If you're half dead, it's pretty obvious to people, you know, that you need help. And Mm. you might not be going to make it. You might not be, yeah. Without help, yes. Okay, let's read a couple more verses for us there, Kelvin. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So to a Levi, when he came to the place and saw him, pass by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he travelled, came there where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn, and took care of him. You know, you can imagine here that you've got, you know, a person who is probably semi-conscious, lying in a pool of blood and dirt and filth, it would be easy to look and go, "Uh, this guy's not going to make it. He doesn't have more than, you know, another half hour or so to live. So why should I bother getting filthy and dirty? And you would. You're picking him up and scooping him up onto a donkey. You would get covered in his dirt, covered in his blood, covered in his... 
mess. Yes, and whatever other mess had taken place because when a person is, you know, knocked unconscious and so forth, often their bladder can let go, their bowel can let go, they can, Mm -hmm. you know, vomit up, all kinds of stuff. You can have a pretty gross kind of a situation. Um, And so you can have a mixture of all of those things along with blood and so forth. And not only that, but, you know, if somebody's just been beaten up there and mugged on the side of the road, that means that there are unsavory characters in the region. And is it smart to intervene and to be a good Samaritan right here? Not really, because you don't know what the consequence could be. No, it's definitely not smart. Yeah, and in the age what, of what the terrorism, Samaritan, what the Samar- what the, Sam- the Samaritan does is not a smart thing to do. Uh, Kelvin, age of terrorism. In the age of terrorism, it's definitely not smart because there's repercussions. Like if you're seen seen to be sympathetic, well, you're you're in the firing line as well. That's right. Absolutely. Yep. Oh, no question. So yes. it's interesting. This guy took no regard for his own personal safety to help others. It's he it's, saw others um, more important as himself. And terrorists these days actually rely on. Uh, this this reaction by human beings mm. when they set their second bomb. Mm. The first bomb the is fear. to kill people. The second bomb is to kill the first responders. The fear factor, yeah. Yep. And that's why they set the double bomb you know, so often because they know they can get a whole slew of um, extra victims the second time around because people will be good mm. Samaritans, people who are followers of God. I do. Sometimes when I read this story, though, I think, you know, with, well, when I was a kid, you'd see, you know, little animated things and, you know, the priest goes by and is very, like, snobby and it's like, oh, I don't want to touch that. And, um, you know, the first two both do this. And I'm not saying there wasn't that attitude, but also, I don't know. Like, I just think as humans there's an element too. I don't know if you guys have ever, like, you know, there's a car crash or there's a something and you're already, like, running late to something and you're like, oh, I just, I literally don't have time. Like, I just, life is happening. And sometimes it's actually just busyness. Do you know what I mean? It's like, because my life is my life, I don't have time to invest in yours. Or I'm just not even aware. Like, I'm busy. I'm, like, doing stuff in my head. Oh, I've got a plan for the thing. And you can just miss seeing the people around you in their need, you know? Which I'm not saying, like, is or isn't, but just when I read this story, it's interesting. Like, you can kind of fill in the blanks of who these people are and what what might their motives have been for stopping or not stopping. Yeah, Indeed. All right, so we have the uh, example of this guy. Now, who is the guy that uh, stops and helps? Samaritan. He's a Samaritan. In my, in my Bible, it says a despised Samaritan. Oh, a despised mm. Samaritan. That's taking it to another level mm. altogether again. He's a despised Samaritan. Of course, the Jews and the Samaritans despised each other. The Samaritans were just, they were seen as being the mixed multitude. Yeah. They were seen as being, you know, more pagan than the pagans. Uh, because they claimed to worship Yahweh and yet they worshipped him, they didn't worship him at their temple, at the Jewish temple. And so they were just seen as being, you know, kind of the worst of the worst of the worst. And yet they are the ones, it is the Samaritan is the one who comes along and renders aid in this particular situation. The one that you are least likely to expect. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. We are studying the story of the Good Samaritan. This is a story that is here to challenge us all. And if you've got some comments that you'd like to share in relationship to the Good Samaritan, then uh, please send them through. Our number is 1-800-324-843. We'd love to hear from you. Mm. Before we do, we have another clue for our quiz. Minnie, what have you got for us? Yes, clue number four. Jehu used one of these to pierce the heart of Joram. What was this instrument? Okay, what was it? We don't have anyone for even bragging rights yet, do I we? No, I'm surprised. I don't think I've got any messages. Jay, who was a bit famous for using these? 
Mm-hmm. He this is killed someone. Quite he a lot. killed someone mm. with one of them. Yeah. Something that's yeah, talked about a bit. That we still have the prize up for grabs. It's Who Do You Think You Are by Doug Batchelor. And it's really looking at our identity in the light of um, Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. Like, who are we if if a God of the universe says that you're something? That's pretty significant. Um, yeah, so give us a call. 1-800-324-843. Text us on 0491-064-669. Absolutely. Okay, story of the Good Samaritan. We've got uh, this guy who's beaten up on the side of the road. And, you know, I think, Minnie, you, you raised some really good parallels. How often do we see someone broken down on the side of the road and we just zoom past? Mm. Um, how often do we see somebody who, you know, could really use a bit of help and it's like, well, you know, next time. Yeah, yeah. Um, because, you know, our life is fine right now. We don't need any help right now. But have you ever been in one of those kind of situations and some random stranger has helped you? Fully, and it makes you aware of it, right? It does. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And, yeah, I, I know for myself there's been quite a few times when uh, random strangers have um, have really helped a lot and it's just, uh, yeah, it's been pretty amazing. Mm. Uh, and it reminds you that there is so much good left in humanity. What about you, Kelvin? Yeah, it's a self-indictment, isn't it? It's like, hang on, I should be helping you because I, I believe I'm the good person, I believe I'm the Christian, mm. and yet you're the one helping me? Like and it's yeah, it's um, makes you self-assess, doesn't it? Like you've really got to stop and think and go. Well, hang on, maybe I do need to be purposeful. Hmm. Yes, I remember once I was with a friend. They were just learning to drive. They had their um, their L's, so I was like, oh yeah, I'll come. You know, like just you can drive my car, do whatever. Hmm. Anyway, it was like this sixteen-year-old kid, and he he got a bit excited, and you know, he kind of skidded off the side. Of it. I was like, bro, what are you up to? Anyway, totally wrecked my tire, and I was like, okay, that's fine, but you know. Both of us didn't have service, and so I was like, this is going to be a problem. And so we had to go out and do the old, like, stick your thumb in. And, like, I've done hitchhiking before, so I'm like, mm, it is what it is. He was, like, sus as He's like, I would never pick up – like, not, not even pick up – he's like, I would never even stop on the side of the road because they were just all sus. And, like, the same day he had this conversation where they were like, we actually have no option. Like, we're kilometres and kilometres from, like – like, we could have walked, but it would have taken us all day, you know, like a solid, like, yeah. maybe six hours or something to walk. And – um. Anyway, he's like, okay, well, the option is we hail down a stranger. Anyway, so we stopped and this guy was over and his, I think he had a four-wheel drive jack or something which was too high for my car or something. It didn't work. But this guy was really like, what can I do for you guys? Like, can I take you anywhere? Can I do it? Can I call someone? Can I? He was so lovely. Um, anyway, it all got sorted out. But anyway, I'm not saying you should have shouldn't hit a child. The point is um, my friend who had been like, I would never even stop for someone because they're just all being sus – Suddenly we were in a position where that was our only option. And he was like, oh, maybe, oh, maybe sometimes people need help and I could help them. I'm in a situation with work. They tell us not to pick up hitchhikers for our own personal safety. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I, I have had friends where you'll have the girl on the side of the road putting her leg out. Oh, saying, yes. I want to li- I want to lift. And then this guy gets up, walks out of the bush and, and hops in the car with the girl. It's like, hang on, I was going to pick up one person. Now I'm picking up two people. Oh, yeah, it's a strategy. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's a strategy there. But workers- yeah, see, back in the day when hitchhiking used to be a thing <laughs> and we used to kind of do it all the time, that, that was um, whenever we wanted to hitchhike as a group, the group would That's always hide do down it, yeah. over the bank. <laughs> yep. And you put the pretty girl out on the road yep. and then as soon as the car stopped, you'd all get up and run and pack yourself into the car as tightly <laughs> as you could before the car could pull away. Yep. And I've had that happen a couple of times where I've stopped to pull up a hitchhiker and suddenly you see the group running is like, oh, yeah, I've been done. Oh, well, why not? <laughs> I've never had that. Yeah, but see, we come from a generation where hitchhiking was more common than what yeah. your generation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, if I see a hitchhiker, I always think, well, 
<laughs> I just mm. they're just trying to get from A to B. Like I'm not saying I'm endorsing this. I'm just saying my personal <laughs> life decisions. <laughs> okay, me. but you've also got a um, you've also you know if, if you look at the story that we've got here, does this story you know this person was taking a risk, weren't they? Oh, fully to help out somebody, and they did not know whether they were placing their own life in danger or not, did they? No way, not at all. And so in picking up a hitchhiker, yes, you're placing your life in danger, no question about that. But as Christians, do we have a responsibility here? I'd like to hear from our listeners, hear your thoughts on this. I would love to hear what people think about this. (laughs) Should, Should you pick up hitchhikers as a Christian? A lot of people are going to say, that's not safe. A lot of people are going to say this to you, Minnie. Yes. Because being a woman, you're a vulnerable population. Yeah. They're going to say, you in particular, as a woman, should never pick up a hitchhiker because it's unsafe. Yes. But. Then, there is, then there is the story of the Good Samaritan. Did he do what was safe? And I would. No, I'm not is there a moral requirement here? Mm. I'm just waiting for an answer. Well, I, my personal thought to do with Christianity. Now, I'm not saying be foolish. Like, it's very clear that God has given us brains to use, right? Like, yes. let's use our brains. Yes. Um, and also, you know, I think God will direct us sometimes. You know, sometimes God doesn't give us clear yes or no, but sometimes we'll be like, yep, let's pray, let's be in constant connection with God so that we can be able to discern certain situations. But... All right, all right, all right. Let's stop there for a moment. Okay. You say, okay. all right, don't be foolish. Uh-huh. In what circumstances would you not pick up a hitchhiker? Um. Look, I made it. Well, again, this was one of those. I made a rule that I was not going to pick up hitchhikers after dark. Okay. Because once my brother and I did, and it was yep. Rules, was, rules of stupid. That was actually one of the times I was like, "Oh, this actually might not have been the." Ch-. We were fine, but it was the one time. But then, like two weeks later, I had a situation where I yeah was stuck at, like, and it was just on dark, and I was like, again, I have no options. I might actually just have to hitch. Um, and so I did, and then I was like, oh, oh no, it wasn't intentional. I was just like, I was just stuck. I, yeah, anyway, that was a whole story. But generally speaking, I won't. Somehow I feel that you've got a number of these stories, Minnie. Yeah, look. <laughs> look. But I would actually sort of say I don't – like that's that's a pretty blanket rule that I do have. Sure. But a lot of times it is a little bit dependent on the circumstance. Like it sort of does depend on where I am – what I can see of the person, am I in the middle of nowhere? Like, they're, they're element, and I'm not saying you can always, I don't know. I don't, and this is all about <laughs> cultural context. You're talking, oh, about, yes, circum- you're talking about circumstances, totally. but circumstances change with culture. And this culture yes. was a culture that you invested in other people. It was a culture of hospitality. Yeah. It was a culture of generosity. Okay, so with the culture, the Middle Eastern culture that we've got here, this is an interesting thing that you raised there, Kelvin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Once... The Samaritan takes this man into his protection. What is he duty bound to do by his culture? To do everything to protect him and to get him restore him and back to, to health. To keep him to life, yeah. To yep. defend that person with his own life. Yes, absolutely. So here's the crazy thing: if you're if you're hitchhiking through the West Bank in uh, in Israel right now, and uh, you get picked picked up by by you know one of the local people there culturally, because they have picked you up, they are bound. They are duty bound to protect you with their life. Mm, interesting, hey? Oh, absolutely, very very interesting culture. Lots of things that we can learn right here. We have to ask ourselves the question: When do we step in? When do we intervene? When do we not intervene? 
Um, what is the moral thing to do? What is not the moral thing to do? Love to hear your thoughts on this. Um, text us on 0491064669. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. All right. Uh, it is now time for... Question of the day. Okay, the question of the day is, how are we spiritual Jews? What does this mean? Okay, what does it mean? If you go to Galatians chapter 3 and verse 27, uh, verse 28 and 29, the Bible says, There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ's, then you are Abraham's descendants and heirs according to the promise. Mm. Okay, so not everybody is literally a Jew. Not everybody is literally an Israelite. Of course, a Jew is somebody who's descended from the tribe of Judah, uh, an Israelite who is somebody who's descended from any of the tribes of Israel. And so, uh, you know, we probably all all have a bit of, um, you know, Israelite DNA mixed in with us somewhere. We are a mixed, a mixed hodgepodge of a world. And as soon as you get studying into, you know, family history and so forth, you suddenly realise just how many people you are descended from. Uh, but I don't think anyone here in the studio, just looking around the studio, anyone here in the studio that that has direct Jewish ancestry. No, everybody's. Well, I've got a great aunt that was a Jewess. Okay, that counts. So I've got. A little bit there somewhere. Yeah, that counts. That counts. Yeah. Uh, so you got, you got, you've got more than the rest of us because you can actually uh, quote somebody who was. Hmm. Uh, great hearts, not that far back. Yeah, okay, all right, we'll go with that. Okay, however, the Bible says that if you belong to Jesus Christ, then you are Abraham's descendant hmm. and heirs according to the promise. If you go over to Romans chapter 2, uh, Romans chapter 2, the Bible talks about it over here. This is actually a fairly big question. We might spend a couple of days on this if we can. Romans chapter 2, and we will read verse 28 and 29, uh, where the Bible says, For he is not a Jew, which is one outwardly, neither is that circumcision which is outward in the flesh, but he is a Jew which is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit, not in the letter, whose praise is not of men but of God. And of course, circumcision uh, in the Old Testament was a sign that you were a member of God's people. Mm. And what Paul is saying right here is it's not about the outside symbol of being a part of God's people. It's about having the seal of God on your heart, having uh, the evidence within you that you belong to God. The circumcision of the heart means that you have you are fully surrendered to Jesus Christ and he has filled you with his Holy Spirit. And so this is how a person becomes spiritually a Jew or part of spiritual Israel. And the Bible even goes on and describes spiritual Israel as a nation. Jesus describes it as a nation. Uh, Peter describes it as a nation. We might look at a couple of those verses tomorrow, depending on how many uh, questions of the day come in between now and then, uh, because they're important verses to look at as to you know, the transfer from literal Israel to spiritual Israel and how the promises transfer across. It has a lot of meaning for us today. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.